are taking over your airwaves. In three, two, one, 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 one. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. All right, everyone, welcome to The Binge Buster Show. We're getting close to the end of the year. Uh, it is crazy. I cannot believe that 2020 has went by as fast as it has, but I'm kind of glad it has. I'm, glad, I'm ready for it to be over so we can be back, well, hopefully to normal, but uh, that remains to be seen. Um, but anyway, uh, this week's show, um, it is uh, December the 9th. Uh, we're just a couple weeks away from Christmas, but we're going to be focused on some uh, good old-fashioned pro wrestling. Uh, we're going to be talking Slamboree 93, a Legends Reunion. That's going to be coming up later on uh, in the show. Uh, but before I get any farther, I want to bring on my co-host. I'm talking about Jeff Patton and Chris Plano. Guys, what is going on? Tony, how are you? Great to be back. I know I missed last week's show, but I, I am psyched up and ready for this week and, and talking slamboree and what a great time to be talking it right during the holiday season, man. I'm telling you, uh, Jeff, uh, how, what's going on, on, on your way up in Burke County? Oh, it's uh, crazy, man. People are, uh, getting ready for Christmas. You know how it is. And, uh, uh, just wide open. I'm staying busy all the time. I tell working you, working and taking care of kids. Yeah. You know, it seems like, you know, this time of year, um, everything's crazy and nuts. I mean, uh, and I know Chris, uh, last week, uh, you, uh, got to venture out and, uh, see a, a couple little bar shows and, and let loose a little bit. And, uh, and, 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 and so funny, you and I talked about this on the phone the other day. We said, Hey, you know, it looks like that the music, uh, the music industry is really, you know, uh, benefiting, uh, from this COVID cause now they're, uh, they're starting to, you know, the bars are starting to, you know, get, you know, get people in there and get the bands going. And then this week, uh, our good governor, uh, puts the smack down on their candy asses. Uh, and now, uh, we have to be home by 10 PM and bars have to stop selling alcohol at nine. Chris, that is a definite, uh, buzz kill, uh, for these great bands that are out trying to entertain the great people of North Carolina. Oh, absolutely. Actually, I'm, I, I made my, my second trip in, in two weeks up to Greensboro. I caught a, a Motley crew and a Skid Row tribute band, and I'm, I'm really glad I did the last couple of weeks and the, the Van Halen one the week before And because, yeah, you're right, the governor is uh, uh, tightening the reins on us with the overnight curfew now from 10 at night to 5 in the morning and uh, alcohol sales ending at 9 o'clock and restaurants have to close by 10 and this seems uh, this is going to be going through January 8th now and, uh, um, you know, trying to keep this thing under control. But uh, I'm glad I did see the little music that I did live because that's going to be put on pause now for the next little bit. That's for sure. Hey, uh, speaking of that, guys, did uh, you guys realize that COVID is very, very, um, is very, very bad between the hours of 10 p.m. and 5 a.m.? So I was getting ready to say. 
Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Man, I just, it's just a head scratcher, Tony, when a man can stand up in front of everyone and, and that runs a state and can tell everybody that we follow science and data. Yeah. And then he has the nerve to say, we are now going to have a curfew at 10 o'clock, and it makes you scratch your head and think, does the virus spread faster after 10 p.m.? Uh, you is, know, does the science and data show that? Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, you, you'd you have to think about this. And, of course, our podcast is not going to be, be about politics, but I, I do want to touch on this a minute. Uh, like, there, there there's more people out in the world uh after 7 p.m. because you got all these people going to work, uh, the, the, the stay-at-home moms going to the grocery store and to the gyms, and um, it, it's kind of it's kind of ass backwards, wouldn't you say, Chris? Yeah, I mean, it's how how are you looking at this uh, from what angle and and what lens? Um, you, you're right. I, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think you know Governor Cooper is wanting to minimize, you know, gatherings, especially on the weekends. I think he's kind of looking at Friday and Saturday nights, you know, you know, overall and family gatherings and things of that nature. Right. You know, he was catching wind of what was happening at clubs, some clubs that were acting as restaurants around the state. And I, I think it's a little bit of everything, but, you know, to put it in force for seven nights a week, you know, where I think the, the, the big problems was, you know, it was on the weekends, uh, obviously, yeah. but, um, you know, I've even heard some crazier things. They were even considering nine o'clock as a, as a curfew time. There could be further restrictions down the road. Um, you know, they're trying to get this positive rate down below 5%. We're hovering around 10 or 11 right now, percent wise consistently. So it's how you look at it. So to me, Hey, I wear a mask. I wash my hands. I, I try to social distance as best I can. Sometimes it's easier than others, other times, depending on where you are. But I think at the end of the day, you know, I think you just have to use common sense and just be aware of your surroundings. And I think you'd be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I think that's, uh, that's, that's the best way to handle that is, uh, and I'm like you, I, I wear my mask out. I wash my hands. I'm, uh, you know, I try to make sure they're six feet apart. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, and I, 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 and I work in a school system, so um, I have to be even extra careful. And then on top of that, I have, uh, family members who, who, you know, have, uh, health issues, underlying health issues like my mother. Uh, and of course I have a six year old, so I'm trying to, you know, make sure I keep everybody safe, but sometimes some of these things with the uh, COVID, uh, it, it trips me out. <laughs> it makes me laugh. Yeah. And the thing is, it's, it's not, it's not going away. This isn't going away anytime soon. And, uh, um, you know, I guess the cure is, this isn't going to be cured to, to as all, everyone gets vaccinated or as many people as possible. And if not, it's just constantly going to be a, a daily regime going, going forward. Yeah, I think so. But, uh, but, uh, you know, we, we all just kind of keep maintaining what we're doing and, uh, pushing forward. And I, th- I think, uh, I think we'll get through this week. Our, our great president, Donald Trump has signed an executive order yesterday, um, uh, with, the with the vaccine. So, uh, I do think that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I just don't know how long it's going to take us to see the whole, 
the whole light, but I, I do see a little bit there and I'm hoping for the best for everybody. So moving on now, uh, as we get ready to, uh, uh, move into the podcast, uh, before we get there, I, I got, I got, a, I got a joke. I want to tell you guys. Okay. And some of you listeners at home, if you got little kids, you may want to turn it down a little bit. And it's not bad, but it, it, it is funny. And it is kind of raunchy. But anyway, here we go. So, Je- uh, Chris and Jeff, uh, do you know what the the best way is to make a snowman smile? No. You get out the snowblower. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh the things i say but it was funny <laughs> get out the old snow, 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 snow storms coming there soon to the carolinas that's right that's right here it is all right guys well fans we are going to uh get into the podcast here in just a second um I'm uh, I'm excited about this week's show as we're going to be talking uh, Slamboree 93. As you know, uh, some of my favorite things of wrestling is when they bring out the legends uh, and the old school stuff. And this podcast is going to get us there. And uh, we're it's going to be coming up right next on the Binge Buster Show. Throughout the history of professional wrestling, a chosen few have scaled the peaks of excellence to become legends of sport. Tonight, the greatest of these have converged on Atlanta's Omni for a Legends reunion. And as we honor the legends of the past, new history will be made as the heroes of the present battle for championship gold and personal glory. World Championship Wrestling presents Slamboree 93. Slamboree 93, a Legends Reunion, was the inaugural Slamboree pay-per-view presented by World Championship Wrestling. It took place May 23, 1993 at the Omni in Atlanta. With an attendance of over 7,000 fans, uh, several legends of the wrestling world uh, came to the Omni to pay homage uh, to the legends of the past, present, and future. And this podcast will cover that. All this and much more coming up next on the Binge Buster Show. All right, fans, we are back here on the Binge Buster Show. Slamboree 93, a Legends reunion. Uh, Chris and Jeff, this show was, I remember in 93, I was just breaking into wrestling. My, My boots were still brand new. Uh, my tights uh, were kind of brand new, and uh, I was a uh, a mullet wearing, 135 pound uh, stargazer, waiting to see what was going to happen. Uh, but man, I remember uh, hearing about this pay per view, and I was so excited because at this time, I mean, wrestling was it wasn't fun to watch really. I mean, it was it not in 1993. Let's face it, WCW was uh, between 92 and 93. They they weren't hitting on very much, but when I heard that they were going to bring back some of the legends, I was so excited. Uh, and uh, really, it was a who's who of wrestling. It wasn't just you know NWA stars. It was stars from all across the board: AWA, NWA, WWF. Uh, I mean, you had guys from Vern Gagne to uh, Oldie Anderson to the Assassins to uh, Blackjack Mulligan. I mean, there was really a who's who on this card. 
I mean, a- absolutely. Uh, actually, when I started doing some research on this show, it you know, even much deeper than the 10 matches that were on the card, just the amount of, of talent they had across the board, you know, past, present, and future. I didn't even realize <laughs> there was that many, you know, wrestlers on the show, either wrestling or, or, or not wrestling, both, both, you know, male and females. And a, a great tribute, you know, I think a great idea at the time for wrestling. You know, even the WWF was in much transition at this time as well, you know, in addition to, you know, WCW. And, and it was just a, a, a great idea. And, and some matches, I'm, I'm even scratching my head a little bit of how some of the pairings are put together and, uh, 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 which we'll talk about here in a, in a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I know one of the guys that really blew my mind on this when I saw him was uh, Bugsy McGraw. He was there doing a little promo with uh, Red Bastine. Uh, of course, some of the older legends I did, I'd never heard of before, like Don Owen. Uh, you know, I was a young kid. I didn't I didn't know much about him, but um, but definitely you know Mad Dog with Sean. I mean, y'all heard tons of stories about him. Um, Lord James Blears, the Crusher. All those, you know, all those guys were AWA guys to me. Um, but I thought it was cool uh, how, like, when this pay-per-view first comes on, all these legends are in the ring together at one time. And, you know, uh, and the fact that it, it took place in Atlanta, you know, right in the, the southern, uh, you know, of, of, of wrestling, uh, southern hotbed of wrestling, um, it was it was a good concept. And I, and I think uh, when whenever they came out with Slamboree, uh, they really drew a big crowd or, you know, a lot of people bought the pay-per-view just because they were some of the old, the, you know, the old timers were there and people were, were still excited to see them. And not only that, but a lot of them, a lot of the legends were still having matches and still having good matches. I mean, we had Thunderbolt Patterson and Ivan Koloff, um, Dick Murdoch, the, um, Blackjack Mulligan, uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of them at legends were having matches. So, uh, it was very exciting, uh, to, to, to be able to see that, you know, so you're, you're seeing the, the old and the new all mixed together. Uh, I think Slim Bree was a fantastic, um, concept. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. Um, and it, you know, the new wrestling fans, they could, you know, they had something to watch, but then the older wrestling fans who love the old style wrestling who doesn't don't like the new style wrestling you know back in 93 uh they had something to watch too so yeah it was a good for balancing act for everyone yeah mm-hmm. exactly for sure well let's uh get right into the matches uh opening match what a, what a barn burner this one is uh two cold scorpio and marcus alexander bagwell um marcus bagwell is still kind of in his rookie uh rookie season as you might want to call but they they put him in with Two Cold Scorpio, and they got a nice little tag team gimmick going on. But they're taking on um, a very odd pairing, but a good pairing. Uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton and uh, Chris Benoit, a very young Chris Benoit. Um, tag team match. This match goes nine minutes, 22 seconds with Two Cold Scorpio and Marcus Bagwell uh, defeating the team of Bobby Eaton and Chris Benoit. Uh, Jeff, I'll start with you. Uh, what, are, what, what, are, what, are, what is your memory of this great tag match? Oh, it was a great tag team match. Um, and I love what Arn Anderson said. Arn Anderson said, beautiful Bob Eaton is probably the best tag team wrestler that there has ever been. And you think about all the partners that Bobby Eaton has had over the years. I mean, it's incredible. And here he's teaming with, you know, Chris Benoit. And, 
you know, forget what he did and, and, you know, with, you know, his suicide and the death of his wife, his killing his wife and son, just remember the wrestler, uh, unbelievable wrestler, pound for pound, one of the best wrestlers ever been in professional wrestling. Uh, and yeah, and here's Bobby Eaton teaming with him too. So, you know. You know, one, one of the things about Bobby Eaton that, that blows my mind is in the 80s, we had there were two teams that were really popular. Um, you had the Fabulous Ones and the Midnight Express, okay? I believe Bobby Eaton is the only wrestler out there that has went from two famous tag teams, Midnight Express and the Fabulous Ones, but Bobby Eaton has, he has teamed with both members of both of both teams. In other words, he, you know, he, he teamed with, with, uh, when, when they broke up fabulous one, Stan Lane came to Crockett promotions fit right in to Dennis Connery spot. In my opinion, the minute the, the team of Bobby and Stan, I like that one better than Bobby and Dennis, nothing against Dennis. I like Dennis, but it seemed like Bobby and, and Stan meshed, you know, they, 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 they meshed a little bit better together. They, they has a lot of new, uh, intricate moves, moves that, that you never, you know, at that time people hadn't seen. Um, so, uh, and then the fact that Stan was such a good looking guy, uh, it kind of put Bobby up there with, Hey, you know, we're not just, not just a Southern guy. Uh, you know, he's, you know, the, the, the women now appeal to the midnight express. But then after that, years later, uh, Bobby teams up with uh, Steve Kern, who was another member of the Fabus Ones, uh, and they have a tag team. They have a little run in WCW, not very long, but they still team together, and a team called Bad Attitude. Now, if I was booking, they wouldn't have been called Bad Attitude. They would have been called the Fabulous Express. That's what they should have been called. <laughs> but uh, but but you're right, guys. Bobby was uh, fantastic. I mean. And and I heard Jim Ross say this a lot of, a lot of times. He said Bobby is is so good, he don't even know how good he is. He just pulls moves he pulls moves out of the air, and he don't even think about it. That that's just how smooth Bobby Eaton was. Um, I love Bobby; he's one, one of my favorites. Uh, now going on to our next match. This match goes thirty five seconds, which was probably about thirty three seconds, thirty two seconds too long. Uh, Sid Vicious with Colonel Robert Parker taking on Van Hammer. Uh, so this match, 35 seconds with, uh, Sid Vicious going over on Van Hammer. Uh, do you guys want to spend any time talking about this one or what? You both are laughing. <laughs> Sid Vicious over here. Uh, it took Van Hammer longer to get to the ring than what the match took. Uh, um, but you know, Typical Sid Power match, uh, you know. I mean, and you know, whatever the storyline was at this point, even beyond this particular pay per view, but you, you know, obviously keeping him strong, and um, you know, Rob Parker always seems to be in the middle of something <laughs> during this part of his career as a manager as well. So it is what it is. Yeah. Now, I just, you know, Van uh, Hammer had a, you know, I mean. He looked, you know, good-looking guy, you know, muscles. He was built. But dude had, dude could not wrestle. To, I mean, he was terrible. I mean, I do not see what in the world, uh, whoever the booker was at the time, to even get him a spot on the show, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, I thought the same thing. Uh, 
but uh, here he is on this show, and they gave him thirty five seconds, and he probably and they they uh, they just fed him to, to to see it. Really, is basically how this was. Now, this next match, I'm excited for. It's a six man. It is a um, our first legends match, uh, but a very odd pairing in this in this uh, in this teams, but. We got Dirty Dick Murdoch, Don the Rock Morocco, and Jimmy Superfly Snuka taking on Chief Wahoo McDaniels, Blackjack Mulligan, and Jumpin' Jim Brunzel. Uh, they go to a no contest uh, draw, but they go nine minutes and six seconds. But one of the, the key things about this match that I remember the most was uh, Dick Murdoch and um, uh Blackjack Mulligan done a shoulder tackle crossover and black uh, Tom Morocco steps on Blackjack's back. <laughs> He's doing the crossover, hits the ropes, and Blackjack barely gets up. It's just a nick of time to give um, uh, 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 Dick Murdoch the uh, hip toss. And I was just like, he almost didn't get up for that one. But, uh, but man, I, it, but it made the match. Like I, I, I enjoyed it. And I even Tony Schiavone was like, he stepped on his back. <laughs> it's just so funny. Is this not the match where Dick Murdoch did the flying his scissors? No, he does that um, on the next pay per view or the next slamboree okay. when he just works okay. Wahoo in a um, in a regular um, in a in a in a regular one on one match, but he does it there and okay. and, uh, and okay. of course the next year, you know, uh, uh, I think the next year was uh, when um, um, Jesse Ventura was commentating with Tony Schiavone, and that's and I, I believe he's the one that said, "I can't believe Morocco, I can't believe Dick Slater, Dick Murdoch got his stomach up that high." <laughs> it's just funny commentary. <laughs> But it, but he threw the most beautifulest flying head scissors you ever saw. Well, uh, I, you know, this match is a little bit of a head scratcher for me, because just you know, coming from the WWF days, having Don Morocco and Jimmy Snuka attack together after the wars they've been through in the ring with each other, and I mean. Um, you know, it's a little bit of a head scratcher. The match. I think, actually, I even think Jim Brunzel was coming off of his WWF run, coming into this pay per view. Uh, but hey, if it worked, it worked. But I bet there was a lot of heavy breathing in the in the back after this. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> there were match, <laughs> especially from Morocco. I can only imagine how. Uh, I mean, how big he was at this point because in the late '80s he was already ballooning up in the WWF into 89 and 90s. I can only imagine, you know, a few years later what he was like at this point. Oh yeah. He was, he was up there, but now I'll, I want to tell you guys something that's really cool. So, um, probably about 10 years ago, uh, I'm on Facebook and blackjack Mulligan sent me a friend's request. And I was like, what is this really blackjack Mulligan? So I'm looking at his Facebook page and I see that he's comment, you know, he's commenting on George South's page. So I'm like, okay, this is legit Blackjack Mulligan, but why in the world would he want to friend request me, right? So I accepted it, and as soon as I did, he, he, he sent me an inbox and said, your boots are badass. And and <laughs> oh, and at the time, on my, on my cover page, I had a picture of my Austin Hall cowboy boots. And, of course, you guys know Blackjack used to wear them boots. And... 
So I, I texted him back and I said, thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. And then he started talking to me about this Austin Hall boots, how him and him and um, him and Dusty uh, were like one of the first guys to, to to go to Austin Hall and start and have them making those um, putting the wrestling soles on those boots. And I thought that was a kind of you know kind of neat for him just to reach out to, to you know an everyday Joe that he didn't even know and start talking to me about my boots. And then he commented on my page. Uh, nice boots uh, uh, on the picture, and uh, the, so the other day that that came up in my in my um, uh, memories, and uh, and I screenshotted it and I meant to post it. I meant to post uh, not every day a, a legend comments on your boots. I thought that was kind of, that was really cool for Blackjack to do that. But um, but man, but man, I would love to have hung out with Blackjack back in the day because you know him and him and Flair. Uh, tried to run a territory during in Mid Atlantic uh, area at one time. You guys remember that? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That was that was really cool. They uh, they lived next door to each other and they were trying to book a territory together. So <laughs> cool stuff right there. Now going on to our next match. This is another Legends Legends match, and this one uh, I'm, I enjoy is more comical than anything. But we got Thunderbolt Patterson. And it was supposed to originally be Thunderbolt Patterson and um, Bullet Barb Armstrong taking on Ivan Koloff and Baron Von Raschke. Uh, but it turns out um, the, that uh, Bob Armstrong was having surgery on his leg. So Brad fills in in his street clothes, and they have a nice little tag match against Ivan and uh, Baron. But, uh, but, guys, I got to play this because this right here is the highlight of Slambury. They tell me that Bob has got a bad operation on his knee. So it don't make no difference to me. I will kick both of y'all that back down. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's Thunderbolt, man. That's Thunderbolt. And I was sitting there thinking, dude, if Bob Armstrong would have been there, I mean, man, you talk about <laughs> four old guys. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And you talking about comical, Baron Von Raschke makes oh, you laugh no matter what. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you know, um, last year uh, during the uh, when when the Binge Buster show was was helping pr- to promote Wrestlecade, I actually had Thunderbolt Patterson on my show, and I brought that up. I said Thunderbolt. I said I love. I said my favorite thing ever was when you were out there and. Uh, and you know you get the microphone and you said uh, I'll kick both of y'all's and guys he started laughing on that on the podcast and he's like he's like thank you sir I appreciate you remembering that I was like oh that was unforgettable and then when we hung up the phone uh, or quick you know hung up the, the the phone for the podcast but he, he was still on the line talking to Tim and I um, he even uh, brought it back up again he said yeah he said. He said, I got the microphone, I was going to talk, and they, they told us, you know, you can't say no. You can't say, he's, he's like, for one, he goes, they didn't even want us on the microphone to begin with. He said, how can you shoot an angle without being on the microphone? Well, I couldn't understand. He said, but then when I said, I'll kick both of y'all's ass, and he goes, and I caught myself real quick. <laughs> I was about to say ass. I knew then I'd get fired for sure. But uh, but I but I thought that was a great, <laughs> funny story, and that was, that was my favorite part of um, – of uh slamboree and jeff if you remember uh, when this happened uh you, a couple of years later whenever you and i are tagging i i did that one time i cut a promo 
against Mark and Kenny. And I said, it's okay. Jeff and I kicked both of y'all's act, and you busted out laughing right there on television. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Chris, yeah. I, I used to always like to, like, like mm-hmm. the rib guys during, during the matches. If if right. we if we talk about something before the show, or before the show, I I would save it. And when we got out there, and if I was getting bored or I just couldn't think of anything else to do, I'd I'd bring that up. And I man, I ribbed Jeff so much stuff like that, and tons of other guys. And uh, and then and then one night I'm working Jimmy Valiant and uh, Bruiser Graham, and Bruiser gets me the same way. Uh, we we were at a um out to eat one day and. My cousin Mark was talking to Bruiser. Him and Kenny were talking to Bruiser about some, I don't even know what they was talking about, but some comedy where the guy was like, look at my shoe, look at my mm-hmm. shoe, whatever. I think it might have been Adam Sandler, but I didn't get it. I didn't know it. So I'm in the ring with Bruiser lock up. He goes, look at my shoe. And I'm like, what's on your shoe? And he goes, look at my shoe. And he's, and he's waiting for me to start laughing, but I didn't know the punchline because I wasn't in on that conversation with Mark and Kenny. Oh. <laughs> and he goes, dude, we just talked about Adam Sandler yet last night. I said, nah, dude, that wasn't me. That was Mark and Kenny. He goes, oh, I got the wrong dude in the ring. <laughs> Pretty funny, though. Uh, but 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 this match right here, the Thunderbolt and Brad Armstrong taking on Ivan and Baron Von Rasky, it goes uh, – Four minutes, 39 seconds with Thunderbolt and Brad Armstrong defeating Ivan and Baron Von Rasky. And, and guys, I really think that uh, that uh, that this match right here was probably Ivan Koloff's, probably his his last appearance on a major wrestling uh, show, wouldn't you guys think? Yeah, I would. I would think so. I mean, uh, and probably for a lot of the, the legends here as well, but beside Ivan, but you, you know, very much so, but yeah. And in his run, you know, in both, you know, the NWA into WCW, um, I mean, with the Russians, you know, speaks for itself and, and just his career even beyond that prior to that and through the independent scene run as well. What was cool about this was five years later, uh, Ivan Koloff was working for Terrific Tony. <laughs> How cool is that? And just in five years, yeah. I was I was a booker, I was a promoter. Um, but no, I, Ivan was Ivan was so fun to work with. He was such a a, a laid back guy, and and I remember uh, when he first walked into my dressing room, I'm expecting him, you know, to be this mean old Russian, and he was just the <laughs> nicest, soft spoken guy I'd ever met in my life, and. Uh, call, he kept calling me sir I'm like oh no he goes no listen he said listen I was so he was so old school I would say okay what do you guys want to do out there he goes you're the boss you tell me what you want to do and I'm like what because it, 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 it threw me off because I'm, I'm you know I'm expecting these legends to say okay this is what we're doing out here and instead he's like what do you want to do boss and I'm like well I don't know We'll call it out there if you want. That sounds good. We'll do it out there. And, and I'm thinking, well, Ivan's probably just going to stand on the apron because we, we we were doing a six-man. And I figured he'd stand on the apron and, you know, him and Boogie would get in there and do a little bit. Then the rest of us guys would just do the rest of the match. But, no, Ivan kept wanting to get tagged in because he, he wanted to work with each guy that was that was on the other side. Uh, and then he finished up with Boogie. But uh, one of the funniest things were in that match, I think we may have talked about this on one of the other podcasts, but um, – you know, my cousin Mark took these crazy bumps. I mean, he always did. But uh, he he tells me to drop kick him off the apron. So I drop kick him off the apron. And when I do, 
he flies, you know, instead of just dropping off the ring, this guy goes flying into the air and takes a bump off the off the ring onto the floor. And then he gets up and starts staggering to the back of the dressing room area, and Ivan starts yelling, Hey, Conrad, come back here. I'm just getting to know you. <laughs> just so frigging comical <laughs> the way he said that. And then he goes, Go get him, comrade. Bring him to me. I'll make a man out of him. So I go get Mark, and I throw him in the ring, and I tag Ivan, get Ivan in the ring, and Ivan starts working with him. And I hear Ivan go, kid, you keep taking bumps like that, you're going to kill yourself. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, but it was a fun match. I enjoyed it. But Ivan was such a such a nice guy. And if, uh, if you didn't get a chance to meet Ivan, man, you guys missed out. But – Ivan was a great guy. He actually lived here in, uh, you know, in Greenville, uh, North Carolina, um, and uh, super nice guy though. And, and Baron, same way. I've, I've heard story. I've never met Baron, but I've heard he's a great guy too. And of course, Thunderbolt for sure. Uh, now getting to our next match, which is uh, one of the last uh, uh, Legends matches. Uh, this one goes entirely too long, but we got uh, Dory Funk Jr. with Gene Konitsky. Taking on Nick Bockwinkle with Vern Gagne. Uh, they go a 15-minute time limit draw. Uh, Jeff, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on this one? Boy, uh, I, I always like Dory Funk. I don't know why. I just, I just, he's such a a grappler type wrestler, uh, and nobody threw a sweeter forearm than uh, Dory Funk. Uh, junior did uh, and knee lift as well you know besides just the wrestling too but uh, yeah uh, I agree with you probably went too long um, but I guess they didn't want anybody to lose in this one or, or whatever and uh, just decided to go with them. to me you know I wouldn't have made them go 15 minutes I would have just had both of the managers get involved and you know, get a double disqualification or something would have been a lot simpler. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and, uh, but I, I, th- I think at this time, uh, Bachwinkle was getting ready to, to become the booker. Uh, and I think he just wanted to show the boys that he, that he could go 15 minutes, even at his age. That's what that, that's what I think was about to happen. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, I think you gotta really be an old, old school diehard wrestling fan here for, for this match. I mean, you, you know, two of the best in the, in, in the business, you know, you know, back in the day. And, you know, when I think of this, you, you see Bachwinkle, Vergania, AWA, you know, you really have to be someone that, that followed, you, you know, you know, that kind of wrestling promotion at that time. And, you know, this match, you know, 15, 20 years earlier, you know, probably a main event in, you know, in any arena, uh, you know, especially in the AWA territory or, you know, in other parts of the country. So for the fans, yeah, probably 15 minutes was too long uh, based on the WCW crowd base at that time. But, hey, if you were there, you got to see two legends in the ring at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it definitely would have been a main event in anywhere arena in the country because about twenty years ago, both those guys were probably right uh, world champions. So yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of great wrestling from those two, no doubt. Both former world champions. Now moving on to our next match, a tag team match. Now this is this is a good one right here. Ravishing Rick Rude and Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Talk about two good bodies right there. Taking on the natural Dustin Rose and Kensuke Sasaki. 
Uh, this match goes nine minutes, 25 seconds with Rick Rude and Paul Orndorff defeating Dustin and Kensuke Sasaki. Um, guys, what, what, Chris, I'll go with you on this one. Uh, thoughts on, on, on the, the team of Rude and Orndorff. Um, I love it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, me too. Battle of the six pack abs. I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, uh, you know, you gotta love I mean, You know, the attitudes they had in the ring, you know, um, you know, their persona in the ring. I mean, you know, at this, you know, both great bodies in the ring. I mean, I, I, I love it. I mean, that's just, you know, both guys, you know, WWF, you know, runs as well as, you know, especially Orndorff, but, you know, I'm a little confused about the, 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 the roads and, and, and that's the tag team there. But I mean, overall, I mean, you know, I was always a Rick Rude fan. <laughs> I loved Rick oh, Rude me too. as a, both a singles wrestler and as a tag team wrestler. Um, you know, I actually liked him, even though they did very well as a tag team wrestler. I loved him as a singles wrestler and, and Orndorff as well, even though height-wise not the biggest wrestler in the ring by any means, but, you know, always knew how to piss the fans off. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, shut up, you bunch of – and, like, he had some great <laughs> – he had some great cut downs to some of the fans. I always like when he'd he'd say, you know, you bunch of fat, in, uh, out of shape, uh, inbred, you know, whatever. Uh, say say uh, Seattle sweat bags or what? He, he he always had some kind of cut down, and uh, and I loved it. Um, now I will tell you guys if you want to hear a, a Rick Rude story that probably isn't very funny to Rick or wasn't very funny to Rick. But if you want to get a good laugh, uh, go back and listen to one of the Binge Buster shows where I had Jake the Snake Roberts on, and he tells the story of how he pulled a rib on Rick Rude and ended up almost getting beat up by Rick Rude. So <laughs> got to go back and listen to that one. Uh, it's pretty funny. Um, I will tell you this. Uh, when a snake spits, you don't want that snake to spit, to, to spit into another man's mouth. I'll just tell you that, and I'll leave it at that. Go back and listen to the podcast, and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's, it's pretty rough. But uh, but then again, Jake Snake Roberts, he was pretty rough too. Um, but a great tag match here. The next match is a singles match, and this one just really is – this is one of them shows where Sting just – he was there getting a payday. And I'm sure he wasn't happy, but um, but he's taking on the prisoner, uh, who was a guy that just came down from the WWE. Um, but this match goes five minutes sixteen seconds with Sting going over, uh, kind of a throwaway match, guys. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, who who was the prisoner? I'm trying to remember. Was it Nails? Uh, nails, yes. Yeah. That was it, Nails. The guy that worked his nails in WWF? Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah. Came, he came to WCW well, uh, with the same outfit, not, this new uh, name. Wasn't he um, Gene Kanetsky's son? I believe so. Um, uh, let's see. He was, um, I'm looking him up now. Um he, well, he, he was known as Kevin Kelly in the AWA. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Back in the day. Okay. Yep. He was he was Mr. Magnificent Kelly Kelly in 1984 as a babyface mid Carter, uh, and then by '86 uh, he had uh, changed his name. Um, he had turned to a heel and started calling himself Mr. Magnificent Kevin Kelly, and then in okay. um, 
and then he, yeah, and then then he got into uh, um, martial arts, uh, and then from there went back into wrestling and, and worked uh, for the World Wrestling Federation in eighty nine, ninety one, and ninety two, and then in ninety three uh, to two thousand he was uh, known as the prisoner, the convict, and then again back to nails. Uh, <laughs> Just uh, a bad gimmick, <laughs> you know. Just a bad gimmick. I, I'll be, I'll be honest, guys. You're gonna roll your eyes. I actually, you know, Vince McMahon was doing some crazy stuff in the early '90s with all these different gimmicks and characters. I actually liked the nail thing when it first first hit the scene. He's like beating the crap out of the big boss man, and you know, I think he had a little run with the Undertaker too, which is fine. I mean, you know, but. You know, just trying to use talent. I actually kind of like the angle a little bit. It, it kind of wore out after a while, don't get me wrong, and it definitely wasn't a main event. But overall, there was some quirky things happening at that time as well. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, it, it's it's amazing to me how, like, so many guys had these gimmicks that didn't work, and they went to they went to, to New York, and Vince gave them a gimmick that really did work, and, and it was good for them. And then he had some other guys that had good gimmicks, and he, they went to him, and he gave them terrible gimmicks. Um, I think one of the worst ones I, that I ever saw was when uh, Dan Spivey went to WWF and become Waylon Mercy. I didn't care for that gimmick at all. Did uh, you? What would do? Uh, you guys re- remember much about that one? Yeah. What about the Red Rooster? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There, 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 there's plenty of them out there. Of course, you, you can't forget the gobbledygooker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny stuff right there. I remember, man, I remember how let down we were oh, yes. on that, man. Because they built that up. They hopped that egg up, this big old egg, and wait, oh, it's going to hatch on at the Survivor Series <laughs> oh, on God. Thanksgiving. And then we were like, it's going to be a new wrestler. That's what we kept saying. I wonder who it's a new wrestler that's jumped from nwa or wcw or whatever it was back then it's going to be and then it was <laughs> the comedy gooker which was hector guerrero dressed as a turkey and oh my <laughs> god it was it was horrible it, and he was just doing flips and crap and it was just like oh my god i know one thing <laughs> if uh if he came out as a gobbledygooker and then took off the chicken suit and become laser tron i would have popped <laughs> <laughs> God, yes. But that was some crazy times back then. Some of them crazy gimmicks. Uh, Now, the next tag team match, uh, definitely not some crazy gimmicks. Definitely some great gimmicks. Um, One of my favorite tag teams of all time, the Hollywood Blondes, WCW and NWA World Tag Team Champions, uh, Brian Pillman and Steve, stunning Steve Austin, who was later on become Stone Cold, uh, taking on the Dos Hombres, Ricky Steamboat, and uh, the world thought the other guy in the hood was uh, Shane Douglas. But unfortunately, Shane Douglas had left WCW to go to ECW at this time. So they had to, rather than just say, okay, Steamboat's got a new partner, they uh, had Steamboat and Tom Zink dress up as these Dos Hombres. Uh, so the Hollywood Blondes thought on WCW Saturday night that they were going to be taking on a couple of jobbers. And turns out they get beat in a non-title defense on television. 
and now they're challenging uh, Steamboat and Shane Douglas to an, a steel cage match, and uh, then all of a sudden uh, they're expecting to take on Steamboat and Douglas, and out comes the Dos Hombres one more time. Uh, and, but uh, later on in the match, Steamboat will take off his hood, but the other guy does not, and the reason for that is because it is not Shane Douglas, even though they keep calling him Shane Douglas. Uh, it was actually Tom Zink. Uh, this match goes 16 minutes, 8 seconds, with the Hollywood Blondes taking the win. Guys, what are your thoughts on this one? I'll let Jeff go first. Go right ahead. I, yeah, I mean, you got four <laughs> four great wrestlers in the ring. Uh, just don't understand why they would. I mean, to me, if you're going to have a cage match, man, you've got to build some incredible heat to have a cage match. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. Uh, to me, they just didn't build it, and so there was no God. I got to see this, you know. If you were if you were to ask people, people that bought this pay per view, I bet you ninety percent of them are going to say, "I bought the pay per view to see the legends." Yeah, for sure. And right, I, and you know, instead of I bought the pay per view to see this cage match, you know what I'm saying? So right. to me, it's like. Somebody there just didn't have a clue what they were doing. But it was a great match. I mean, you know, uh, we got four great wrestlers in the ring. And uh, uh, to me, again, if you're going to have a cage match, then, you know, uh, people people got a blade. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure Steve Austin did, but he was probably the only one that did. Yeah, I mean, this was the first of, of, of three title matches on the show to, to follow with the NWA and WWE World Heavyweight Championships on the line. Um, but, yeah, I mean, four wrestlers, good wrestlers in the ring. I don't remember much of, about the, the, the Das Hombre angle too much. But, I mean, for I mean, Steamboat's going to make anyone look good in the ring. And, and, you know, I mean, so however it worked, it worked. But. Yeah, what the storyline was at this point, you know, I'm not sure where where it was, but it was probably you know where do we where do we put this match on the show because they built it as a steel cage match. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now the next match is really interesting, and uh, this next match should have been the main event on the card. Uh, it's for the NWA World Heavyweight Title, uh, the champion. The Lone Wolf, Barry Windham, defending against the Enforcer, Arn Anderson. We got two members of the dreaded Four Horsemen um, are together. And for once, uh, Arn Anderson is coming out as a babyface, the underdog. His biggest, uh, for his first time, he's ever wrestled for the world title. And he comes very close at winning. Uh, Barry ends up uh, hitting him with the belt and getting the one, two, three. Uh, Barry does get a tremendous amount of blood in this match. Uh, and if you look real close, when he first walks out, he's got a pretty good uh, gash on his head already that's scabbed up. Uh, and then once this match starts, it doesn't take long for Arn Anderson to really open him up. And, uh, man, I, th- I think on this match was actually one of the best juice jobs I'd ever saw uh, from Barry Windham. Uh, this match goes 10 minutes, 55 seconds with Barry Windham retaining the world title. Uh, Jeff, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, what are your thoughts? 
Um, I guess this is at the time where they were, uh, they established themselves as WCW. That was the name of their company now, but they were still using NWA titles. So you really had two world champions, two world tag team champions. Um, the only thing, I mean, it, it, it's Arn Anderson is a baby. Just, you know, if you're going to have a baby in this one, it needs to be Barry Windham. And I guess at the time, uh, Flair was still in WWF. No, uh, Flair, great, no, no, uh, yeah, uh, actually he was, but, and, and, uh, okay. the next month he okay. came, yeah, the next month I believe is when he came, uh, and started doing okay. the Flair for the gold. Yeah, we were in, um, we were in Asheville, um, oh yeah, that's right, because we were in Asheville when he made his return, uh, and Barry Windham beat the Great Muda for the NWA world title. Is that, cr- that right. Is correct? Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, so this was, was before that. Okay, yeah. so I guess Flair was already back. Okay. Yeah. Fl- yeah. Right, just crazy. He wasn't on the pay-per-view. Yeah, I, I think. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they were just okay. waiting to, to figure out what to do with him at that point. But, uh, but okay. yeah, he. Um, Great match, though. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but anytime. I mean, to me, you've got, uh, I mean, you got two of, two of my five greatest wrestlers uh you know that i that i always liked and uh because they could perform in the ring um nobody to me you know between rick steamboat and uh barry windham i don't think there was any other smoother wrestler out there uh, in the ring uh as far as move for move but uh yeah great matchup uh barry windham and arn anderson can't beat that yeah, um, actually, Jeff, uh, on this one, Ric Flair was there. Uh, this mm-hmm. was the one where they done the re uh, reformation of the Full Horseman. Uh, that's really the only thing that uh, that uh, Flair did on this show, um, and he brought out uh, Rick, Arn, Ole, and the newest member, uh, Paul Roma. And I remember uh, when this happened, uh, everybody's expecting it to be Tully. And, um, uh, and then when they brought out Paul Roma, it's like, you could hear the people booing, like what in the <laughs> hell are y'all doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw Tully Blanchard shoot interview and he was like, yeah, he was like, everybody, he's like, everybody was expected to be to walk out there. And he's like, I was at home watching the pay-per-view and I was like, yeah, I'm not coming out. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I remember saying that he, he said, he's, I'm waiting to see what they do. Uh, what, you know, what are they going to bring out to replace me? He said, they, 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 they find a job guy from WWF. <laughs> I was like, dang. Hey, but uh, you know, but if there, if there's one man that can hype it up, it's, it's Ric Flair. That's right. So he's he, gonna, he's he gonna, made it. He's going to make it look good no matter what. That's right. He, he, and he did it. Uh, now we're on to our final match of the, pay-per-view um as a the wcw world champion big van vader with harley race is uh taking on davy boy smith from the wwe um this match will go 16 minutes 16 seconds but vader uh keeps the belt uh or i'm sorry davy boy smith does beat vader by disqualification but uh on a dq vader keeps the title uh guys what, what are your thoughts on this on this main event um, I mean, 
interesting for me to see Davy Boy Smith in a main event world heavyweight championship match. I always just, you know, remember him, you know, as a tag team wrestler, you know, with, with the British Bulldogs back in the day, though he did have the single runs as well. But, um, you know, but hey, kudos for him and, 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 and for WCW putting him on the, on the top of the card against Vader. Um, you know, obviously, you know, keeping, keeping the strap on Vader uh, as, as well with probably other storylines stemming from beyond this pay-per-view. But uh, um, interesting at this time frame and junction of wrestling, you know, that Davey Boy Smith would be in a main event match at a pay-per-view, you know, on, on the top of the card. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's um, it was a a different time for sure uh, during uh, '93. Uh, you know, I'm I'm like with I'm like with Jeff. You know, it's hard to put emphasis on a world champion when you got two world champions in the company. Um, you know, I would like to saw the way they the way that they combine the WCW and NWA World Tag Team titles. I would like to saw them do this. Uh, with the NWA title, but they they never done that. No, it just really didn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, it's like I was saying before, you know, the difference between 80s wrestling and all the other stuff is exactly what I said before. Back in the 80s, man, their big shows, they built the fire out of them. I mean, you know, there were, you know, if you had 10 matches on a, on a big show, uh, you know, before there was pay-per-views when they did the, uh, closed circuit screens or whatever, I mean, the, the five of those matches were from some feud that had went to the bowling point that they had to have some type of unbelievable special match or some, something to settle the grudge. And it, it made you want to order it or go see it in person to see what's going to happen with this feud. Who's going to get, you know, uh, is the title going to change hands? Is this going to, what's going to happen? And it, it, it was just a lost art. I mean, it seems like when Crockett sold out, um, it just, it just went downhill and they, you know, wrestling doesn't do that. They don't do that anymore. No, you know, I mean, You've got to, I mean, if, if you're going to have a cage match, I mean, you have got to build something to, because that's a last resort. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, uh, to settle the grudge is, hey, we're going to be like two, you know, pit bulls. Just lock us in a cage and let us go at it and throw a stake out on the ground. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, that's what's wrong with wrestling from the eighties to now is it's lost that. And that's why people, you know, it went through that phase here where people, it just, it went downhill. It's just because they weren't trying to build anything up. They just lost that. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's really crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how they, how, how it's changed so much. And, you know, the, the basic recipe, if you, if you will, uh, of wrestling has changed so much. That's one of the things I like about still working on the independent scene because we still do things the old school way, the right way. You know, we 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 put heat on somebody, uh, and we and we we put heat on the heel, and then we get the get give the baby face a little fire, and then we put the heat back on the heel, and um and that's that's that that is what's worked for all these years, um 
And for whatever reason, they don't do that much on television anymore, unfortunately. I think, I, I think also, you know, there were just so many, so many guys bouncing, you know, as well from WCW to WWF during this time. And, and it was like, you know, when, when, when a wrestler went from one promotion to another, it was a big deal. Yeah. I just think there were so many guys moving at this point as well. The fans are like, Oh, you know, he was just, he was a, he was a, a mid Carter, you know, in WWF. Now he's here in WCW and, and vice versa. And it's just, I think some of that was going on as well. And, and, and it was maybe even challenging to build up to some of these matches just because the long feuds weren't going on for, you know, you know, for eons and it might've been even tough, tough to grasp. Yeah, you know, for sure. You know, at, at, at this point. So, I mean, you know, and, 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 you know, several years later, you know, from 93, you know, I think of, you know, when, you know, when Hall and Nash show up in WCW, okay, that was huge. I mean, then now, okay, this is big. Something big is happening or is going to happen. So I think it was missing some of that during this early 90s time frame. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Uh, well, fans, uh, that, that's going to wrap it up for this week on our podcast. Now, next week, uh, tune in as we are going to cover – uh, I, I want to do one more Slamboree before we uh, move on to something else later on. But uh, we're going to do Slamboree 94. Uh, this one uh, has got a, a few more legends on it, uh, but it has some has, has some really cool stuff. And, of course, uh, this is the one where uh, we get, um, uh, you know, uh, the um, Dick – Dick Murdoch and uh, Wahoo McDaniels uh, taking on each other. Uh, so I'm excited about that one. Uh, and also, uh, Ric Flair uh, defeats uh, Barry Windham for the WCW world title. Uh, that That is also at Slammery 94. So I'm excited about, about next week's uh, show. Uh, we And, of course, we, we only got a couple more weeks before Christmas. So we so we'll have to have a few more uh, podcasts before the end of the year, and of course, in January we'll start season three. Can you believe it? Three three seasons now with a binge buster show running strong, and uh, got a major announcement tonight. I told everybody to make sure they tune in for this. But Chris and I are going to be starting a rock and roll podcast. I've had a few people say, "Hey, uh, you guys used to talk wrestling and rock," uh, but I think uh, the best thing to do is keep the binge buster show wrestling uh and chris and i will be starting a uh podcast on rock and roll uh and uh, so make sure you um keep uh listening each week uh and i'll let you know what day and, and time that that show is going to launch it's going to be good we're going to be talking all 80s there will be nothing else in between it's going to be the decade of decadence baby 1980s you can't beat those years but uh that'll be coming up sometime in january so just you know keep listening for that keep downloading us on your favorite podcast platform guys um i was just looking at our stats from last week uh we had new uh new new fans download us in texas uh texas old old black bart's hometown right there in texas and a few in california and uh alabama uh, so we're, we're definitely getting, uh, getting some, uh, more listeners, new listeners. And then, uh, on our worldwide, uh, show, um, uh, we, we had new, um, new, uh, downloads in Australia, Brazil, Germany, and the United Kingdom. So, 
when 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 Chris and Jeff and I tell you that the the Binge Buster show is worldwide, it is worldwide, and uh, I think I'm gonna start calling it the world famous Binge Buster show, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Although whatever you see fit, I will say, Chris. Uh, I, but but if I if I start saying it, the if I put on on our on our logo, the world famous binge buster show, a lot of people might might think it's some kind of sexual uh, <laughs> cabaret or something. You never know. <laughs> like that's a strip club, know. that ain't a podcast. That's a strip club. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. <laughs> well, guys, great show tonight as we broke down the the legend. Uh, Slamboree 93, the inaugural. Uh, next week's going to be even more fun. Uh, you guys having closing words before we uh, go off the air today? Um, I, I mean, I mean, for me, you know, hey, a, a tip of the hat to the legends that were on this show that, that you know, the numerous ones that got in the ring, that the bunch that just made an appearance and, and for WCW to do this and, and you know, show that great testament to those, to those athletes and, uh, and, and to the wrestlers at that time that were wrestling for them, you know, currently. And it was great for the fans, whether you were buying it on pay-per-view or you were there live at the Omni in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, it was an interesting time for wrestling in, in the early nineties. And, and it was a great chance to see if this would work. And it, it definitely probably brought some people out of the woodwork. For sure. Jeff. Yeah, uh, I remember ordering this pay per view and ordering ordered it to to see the legends. Uh, so, yeah, uh, totally agree with Chris. Uh, great job WCW to do something like that. Uh, definitely brought back a lot of memories with all the old guys, the ones that wrestled and the ones that didn't wrestle. So, uh, all in all, enjoyed the pay per view. Yeah, I just hated that. Years later on down the road, WCW stopped bringing in the legends, but they still called it Slamboree. It was kind of a Kind of a stupid, stupid idea at that point. Well, yeah, I mean, just never know what direction that they were they were going, um, you know, with it, and you know, but hey, during the time that they were bringing them in, those were definitely you know, no special years. The first, the first few shows. Yeah, they were, they were definitely good. Well, fans, make sure you uh, go download us on your favorite podcast platform and tune in next week as we will be talking Slamboree 94. For Jeff and Chris, I'm Tony Bench. We'll see you next week on the Bench Buster Show. Thank you for listening to the Bench Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.